Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galing. And this is our monthly astrology and tarot podcast where we take a look at the celestial landscape, what's happening in the stars. We pick a tarot card to fit the vibe, all with an eye towards inspiration and helping you to lead a more conscious life. So hello, Stephanie. Hi, Megan. How are you? I am well. Happy New Year. Happy February, the month of love, right? I'm already envisioning Valentine's and chocolates dancing in my head, but I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) I love that. Although I wish like every month would be the month of love. It can be. It should be. It should be. I'm going to orient to life that way from now on. Okay, every month it's the month of love. Okay, that's another sweatshirt or another T-shirt for us at at some point in the So Divine shop, which we always think about creating. Okay, so it's February. Let's dig into what's happening in February. And, you know, as we look out into the month, it all feels very Aquarian. We've got a bunch of planets in Aquarius. You know, it's Aquarius season, so we've got the sun there. And we've got Mercury and Venus and Mars also going into Aquarius this month. It will be joined by Pluto, and we're going to talk about that um, and what that all means. But let's just talk a little bit about Aquarius energy. Yeah, and I mean, I think too, as you say, like we're in Aquarius season, and at the end of January, um, not the end, like the middle of January, Pluto went to, into Aquarius. So we have that like big note behind us as well. Yes. So yes. Aquarius, like what is Aquarius? Aquarius is an air sign. I mean, many people think that Aquarius is a water sign because its symbol, its icon is the water bearer. But it's actually an air sign. It's a fixed air sign, one that connects us to the larger, right, to the network, to seeing the connections, seeing the patterns. It's very intellectually oriented. And I oftentimes think that Aquarius likes to take a step back so that it can see a in a different way than Sagittarius, but to see the wider, right, and to see the interconnected activity between the wider. Aquarius is also very future forward, you know, science oriented, logistically oriented and about the power also of the people, mm. right? It's about the collective. So um, ruled, well, I'm not sure to say, but I'm going to, you go. <laughs> Sorry, well, no, and, and it's ruled by, by Uranus, which, you know, we talk a lot about. Uranus is the planet of surprises and shaking things up and going outside your comfort zone and seeing and being open to that bigger picture and doing things outside of the box. We are going to talk about Aquarius in Pluto, which is a really big deal as it joins the personal planets this month. But did you want to, Stephanie's raising her hand. Did you want to interject? I did. Yeah. It's so interesting with Aquarius, right? Because as you said, like the ruler, the modern day ruler being Uranus, right? Which gives us like this stance of the innovative and changing things up. But also traditionally, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. So Mm. it does sort of give it a little bit of constraint. It's not completely out of the box, right? Mm. Because there's still like a social consciousness there with the Saturn component, but with the Uranus component, it's like a social consciousness that's also a little bit of, hmm, how else, right? 
Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yes. There's definitely a kind of, uh, like you're saying, a structure there, you know, in a way that is not quite so Uranian. And so let's talk about the planets that are moving into Aquarius this month. And I've actually got dates. So first of all, we have Mercury, the planet of communication, moving into Aquarius on the 4th. And then we have Mars moving into Aquarius on the 12th. And then our friend Venus moves into Aquarius on the 16th. Now, what's super interesting and rather dramatic about all that is on the very next day of each of those signs going into Aquarius, Pluto comes in and joins the planets. And as we know, anytime an outer planet connects with those personal planets, it gets really personal. It really tends to bring those themes home. And Aquarius hasn't been in Pluto in over what? No, Pluto. Pluto hasn't been in Aquarius. Yeah, for over two centuries. So this is a really big deal. So let's kind of, let's just dive into Pluto and Aquarius because that's really, really the big story here. Yeah, so Pluto will firmly like hang out and take out its take, you know, be in residency in Aquarius on November 19th of of, of this year. But it's like dipped its proverbial Plutonian toe there last year for a couple of months. And now it's here right from January 20th to September 1st um, in Aquarius. So Pluto in Aquarius, the last time Pluto was in Aquarius was, you know, starting back, I think, in like the 1780s, right, where there was a whole big movement of um, revolution, right? There was the sort of tail end or like in the midst of the American Revolution. There was the French Revolution. There was the Industrial Revolution, right? There was this um, transformation, Pluto, of the shape of society, if you will, Mm. right? In terms of those two, like the American and the French Revolution. And also with the Industrial Revolution in Aquarius is very innovative. So even that, like all that experimentation and all of those inventions – it wasn't just like, oh, let's invent this and get back to the way we're doing it. It <laughs> reshaped, like, social structure, you know. So it's really interesting just to look at that as, you know, where can that might give us sort of a lens to see some deep transformation in terms of the collective, the way that people are organized or the way that, like, societal society is organized also because of, of inventions or technologies, yeah, it's giving us this kind of glimpse, you know, into the next 20 years or so when Pluto will be in Aquarius. And even as you're talking, Stephanie, I'm like, wow, when you talk about like the American Revolution, the French Revolution, there's that feeling now, viva la revolution, where, you know, the 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 real people, you know, rebel against the status quo, which is so Aquarius. As you're saying that, I'm like, I feel like I'm back in 1780 or something, right? (laughs) The other thing that's interesting about Aquarius and uh, Pluto and Aquarius, and you mentioned this, Aquarius does rule the future. So one of the big stories we're seeing in all the headlines right now is about AI. What's going to happen with AI? You and I have had some personal conversations about that. So we've got AI. I also think that the Aquarian energy and Pluto 
in Aquarius could really open things up about UFOs and the other galaxies and bigger cultures and realizing, realizing we are not alone, that we are connected out there. So, you know, who knows, our alien friends may be showing up during Pluto in Aquarius. What else do you think of? Well, yeah, I mean, to your point, I think both, if I remember correctly, both like some of the more awareness about the UFOs and the government and stuff and, you know, sort of the hearings and also mm-hmm. like the like chat GPT and open yes, AI yes. like came to our awareness around that time that Pluto did its like couple of a month stint in Aquarius. So it is very like on par with that, you know, in terms of what we may see in terms of quantum computing or nuclear fusion, you know, alternative energies that are, you know, don't use or don't emit carbon, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, how we get from there here to there in terms of self-driving machine, all of that. But I think in addition to that, in next level industrial revolution, if you will, or information technology revolution, is also, and you alluded to this, you know, Aquarius feels very much like for the people, by the people, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Capricorn and Pluto is in Capricorn. Capricorn's like <laughs> the old structures, the old ways, the good old boys, quote unquote. And so it feels like where is the power, Pluto, the power is with the people, right? Yeah. Or can be with the people. So in, in this moment, or, you know, in the next decades, actually, of, you know, if we have felt collectively like others have the power, you know, where power comes from banding together with those who share your values and your visions, right? And whether it's like broad stroke movement, or even just like, hey, we want to get something done in our neighborhood, like, <laughs> let me like gather my neighbors. Or, you know, if I'm feeling a little bit wavy about my life, like, let me call up my friends, like this band of the collective that can really help us dig deep and find that inner resourcefulness. Yeah, absolutely. Aquarius is so much to do with community and coming together. And of course, when we talk about Aquarius, we have to mention the age of Aquarius. And, you know, there's much debate around astrologers about when that actually started. I did read an article lately where an astrologer was saying that they felt the age of Aquarius actually starts with Pluto in Aquarius. But again, this is a subject of of some debate about astrologers. But if you think about the themes of age of Aquarius, it's one planet, one God. And I'm using my quote fingers around God. It's the coming together. And when we talk about the age of Aquarius, it also brings in the opposite opposite sign of Leo. And Leo, of course, is our individual gifts and our talents and our our self-expression, what makes us unique. In the age of the Aquarius, it's the celebration of the unique and our individual gifts coming together in service of the collective. So it has this really wonderful balance of unity and the individual. Yes, I love that. What is that phrase? I'm actually like looking it up right now. Like fraternity, <laughs> liberty, a uh, liberté, égalité, fraternity, right? Liberty, equality, fraternity. Yes. Right? It feels very like Age of Aquarius and also very Aquarius. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is just this huge 
you know, background new wave in which we will all be collectively living in. And, you know, obviously, even in terms of the things that we're saying, we're not we're, we're not like, oh, and it's all going to be great, right? Like, there are obviously the downsides, the other Plutonian sides to, say, for example, artificial intelligence or self-driving mm-hmm. cars or, like, you know, <laughs> the, the people come in and the power of the people, which is ideal if the ideals, in my view, right, like, are oriented towards compassion and empathy, right? Like, so just group movements are not always you know, for the higher ideals. So just the things that we should, you know, be aware of and watch. And as you said, like February, like sort of just right out of the gate is going to give us some like clues, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> about that because with the personal planets, you know, connecting to them, Mercury and Mars and Venus. So we may see that more and in unique ways, like so, we yeah. can talk about like like Mercury comes together with Pluto and Mars comes together with Pluto, et cetera. You know, to just right. build that out. Yeah, it's amplifying the energy of each, and and you know, so Mercury communication and Venus relationships, et cetera, et cetera. I do have to say, Mars, you know, conjunct Pluto is always a. I'm just going to say the word explosive, Definitely. intense dynamic energy, you know, before Pluto was discovered, right? Mars was the ruler. What what am I saying? Of, of Scorpio. Scorp- of Scorpio, right? So they have that very powerful, complex underworld, what lies beneath. And so as you're saying this, we're talking about, oh, Aquarius and innovation. Well, hello, there's also this unearthing Plutonian energy there as well. Yeah, and it feels like that's like the big invitation or one of the big invitations of February is to like, hey, we are going to be called to go below, to dig down, to see what gets revealed, you know, and also maybe just again as like orient from from our own selves as opposed to like sitting there with popcorn waiting for like the big reveal in the world. <laughs> like, okay, like, you know, Mercury Pluto on February 5th. Like, how can I take my languaging to a deeper level? You know, it gives us the inspiration to research more, to be more tenacious in terms of our understanding. To your point, and wait, what's the date there for that? That Mars? Oh, yeah, the 13th. The yeah, the 13th. You know, Mars-Pluto, yeah, like explosive. (laughs) It's so, uh, right? Because it's also like, yeah, I'm going to dig in and I'm going to fight for like what I want to, you know, to go to the nth degree for that, which, you know, if there's a battle that we want to like or something we want to champion, we've got that force behind us. But like it can be just like, you know, fighting for power or powers that are fighting. So it is that explosive volcanic energy. And then the Venus-Pluto conjunction on the 17th, you know, where, you know, we look at maybe the underbelly or the undergirding of like what is of value to us or our finances or finances in general, you know, how to take love more deeply though. Mm. You know, I think that would be, I mean, even though Valentine's Day is on the 14th, right? It almost feels like if your Valentine's Day is more just like on the surface, here comes Venus and Pluto being like, but who do you really love? And why do you really love them? And like, what does love really even mean at its core? So there is like a deep bass note tenor, right, yes. to this month, this invitation to like, not just float even in the Aquarian realms of like, the intellect, emotional, you know, the intellectual or the emotionally detached. It's like, mm-hmm. mm, there's that, that heavy, deep, yeah. deep. 
So again, you know, during that period, you know, watch out for being reactionary. This is the time where you're really going to want to mind your P's and Q's a bit, you know, about not taking your frustrations or your powerlessness or whatever it may be out on the other person. Yeah. You know, okay, what? What, what, what? (laughs) He's got a hand up this (laughs) Go ahead. Jump in. Yeah. Well, just like I always love too to think of like, well, okay, what can what are some practical things that we can do to use that Plutonian energy? You know, okay. some of my favorites are like deep cleaning, purging, <laughs> going to Goodwill, exfoliating your skin, right? Doing a mud mask, like mm-hmm. doing some sort of cleansing or like cleansing with you know herbs that might be like blood cleansers or like you know liver mm. support things and and things like that. Um, and, of course, there's always, like, the good flower essences to use if you feel, like, this sense of, like, I don't have any control, like a cherry plum, you know, or sweet chestnut. Some of those are actually really good if we feel a little bit like, ooh, this is really heavy, right? So just things to look into. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, Aquarius does rule energy and has a lot to do with the energy body. And so I'm loving that you brought up flower essences, which can be so impactful on our energetic system. So I think that's a great, thanks for that practical tip, Stephanie. You're welcome. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that this might be an opportunity to talk about the card in the tarot. This is not our card for the month, but to talk about the Aquarius card in the tarot, because which is the star card, which I think it beautifully amplifies and gives some context about the sign of Aquarius. Now, remember when we're in the Tarot world, each of the cards does have a ruling sign or planet, but the there's a difference between the energies astrologically as they do connect with the Tarot. So they're not always just across the board. The star card is one of my favorite cards of the deck. It's a favorite card for many. And in most images, what you'll see is the goddess Neweth, and she is the lady of the stars, and she's holding one vessel up in the heavens and another one she's pouring into the earth. And this is truly the card that um, represents as as above, so below. And what's interesting about the water bear here and the confusion, I think, sometimes between that Aquarius is actually an air sign to me, it represents the waters of the collective unconscious. It's that, it's the, it's the energy bearer in, in some ways. And so the star card is very much about drawing down those higher energies and manifesting those higher energies. In the tarot, the the star card is a luminary. The sun, the moon, and the star are luminaries. What does that mean? It really tends to emphasize the desire to shine light or to bring light or to make things better. And as we know, you know, Aquarius is a sign of the humanitarian. And so with the star card, it's very much about actualizing some of your deeper dreams or vision. It's a card of destiny, almost like your North Star. But oftentimes it's not like a selfish destiny. It's not like I want to make a million bucks. It's more like, again, what we were talking about with the age of Aquarius, how can my dreams and my inspiration serve all of humanity. And so it's really, really powerful that way. And so it really represents that time of going for it and following your inspiration. The other thing about the star card, it also reps 
represents the imagination, which I think is so powerful, especially with the idea, if you can imagine it, it can happen. And so the star really brings out that visionary force on all of us and says, okay, open your imagination to what the different possibilities are. So mm. that's the star card. And I think it just illustrates that Aquarian energy so well. Yeah, I love that. I love that just to be able to give all of these different like wet, like threads, right? And this weft and weave to be able to like see and be with Aquarius and knowing that archetype as it comes through the star card. It's yeah, beautiful, it's a, beautiful. It's a beautiful card. Okay, we cannot wrap up our Aquarius discussion without talking about the Aquarius new moon on February 9th. Any thoughts, Stephanie? Yeah, I mean, you know, new moons bring an invitation for an opening for a planting of seeds. So it does feel like perhaps there is this sense of what you want to germinate or what might be germinated in the world related to these Aquarian realms. Of course, you can look to see in your chart, you know, where is Aquarius hanging out? Like, where is it tenanted? And, you know, which realms of your life, you know, can you seed to create a new chapter? So Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of, like, beginning energy. And I think that that's actually interesting because... You had Mercury and Aquarius before that, and but you have the two, right? Venus moving into Aquarius and Mars moving into Aquarius after the new moon. So it feels like those, both Mars, using my will and my energy, mm. and Venus, what do I love and I, and, and I find value in, can help you to, like, bring to manifestation this, these Aquarian ideals, you know, in something in your life, in your community. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're we're just starting with the Pluto in Aquarius, so there's a new beginning there as well. Okay. Yeah. So Let's, that, wow. That's, that's so a lot, right? Rich. Right. But should we not forget that also this month we have a bit of both Piscean energy and a really interesting triple conjunction <laughs> – um, which is which we would love to say this a double Kazemi as well on February twenty eighth. But should we? I guess we'll say right. Like the sun enters Pisces on the eighteenth, so we move from Aquarius season into Pisces season. And tell us a little bit about like what is that month of Pisces season? Like what are the invitations when the sun is in Pisces? Well, you know, you had me at Kazemi. Okay, but <laughs> double Kazemi. I don't know. That word just tickles my fancy. So. And again, Kazemi emphasizing the energy of what's happening there. I, you know, it's Pisces, Pisces, Pisces. It's so, here we are, you know, we've been in, in Aquarius and then we come into this beautiful watery element of the fishes and, you know, Pisces is the imaginal and represents those higher energies and inspiration and compassion. It's very creative. It's very spiritual. So... We're going into that Pisces energy, but let's break down a little bit how these, you know, this triple conjunction and the Kazemis might really be amplifying that. Yeah, so on February 28th, we have the sun coming into a conjunction with Mercury, known as the Mercury Kazemi. We (laughs) have the sun also uniting or in conjunction with Saturn, known as the Saturn Kazemi. And then we have Mercury (laughs) and Saturn coming together, like, all on one day. And again, 
we really want to emphasize it's not just like you go on, you go on, you go on. It's like the February 27th and all of a sudden February 28th comes and like <laughs> there it is. Like we build towards it. So mm-hmm. the energy builds towards that. So if we put this, you know, just thinking about the sun portion, right? The sun yeah. makes things brighter. It brings attention to, right? It also can be that sense of like what gives us vitality. So it's really highlighting and making more luminous Mercury and Saturn coming together, right? Mm. It feels like the really important to architect, you know, communications, conversations and or information gathering that have strong bones, Mm. right? That are not just sort of flippant, but actually like have structure. You know, that feels like the really strong invitation alternatively, Right, because of the Saturn piece, should we have had or be having conversations, right, that do not honor the roots of things, Mm. right? We may see the consequences of that, right? Right. So that also has us, has me think, okay, well, that's at the end of the month. Maybe (laughs) I should start now, right? And making sure that, like, I'm being slow and steady and thoughtful with my messages, right, Mm -hmm. with things that I might be writing or want to communicate or conversations that I may want to have with others so that as the end of the month appears, instead of the consequences that, ooh, you (laughs) cut a corner or you didn't dot your I, you didn't do those things so that actually it will bring it into structure. Yeah. So that's yeah. some of my thoughts. So that's without talking about the Pisces piece. I think we need to talk about that. But that's some of my my feelings. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around Saturn and Pisces. I it just you know because Saturn is structure and restriction and fortitude, and Pisces just wants to go with the flow and swim with the water and be romantic. And you know, we've I forget when Pis- Pisces went into Saturn went into Pisces this year, and it's still like I'm and well back a little bit last year, but I'm still wrapping my brain around how those two energies work together. So what I'm thinking as you're talking is maybe this is an opportunity also to put some structure around your inspiration or your imagination or your spiritual life, like to let Saturn be the container for all of that beautiful Piscean energy. And that might be the way to work it. Like maybe this is the time to like launch a creative project or commit to it or get serious about it. Yeah, I love that. I love that notion of the container. I think of that, the name of that movie, um, The Shape of Water feels yes. like Saturn, Saturn yes. and Pisces. And I think the other piece too there, you know, related to Saturn and Pisces, which um, I can't say I know well, but I kind of know well because I have Saturn and Pisces. It's one of the things in my life to figure out, right, for all of us with Saturn and Pisces, is, you know, Pisces related to also this sense of fluidity, as you mm. said, which also then relates to boundaries, right? Mm, and I think right. with Saturn and Pisces, it's about understanding the value of boundaries, Right. And, and, and the value of like when things are open and you can have empathy and you can have compassion, but the boundaries of also like maintaining your own shape so that you don't go into victimhood, martyr, martyrdom, enableism. Sure, have this from me, have this from me, have this from me, <laughs> that co- or codependency. Right. So I feel like Saturn and Pisces can help 
for all of us who may like want to continue to look at that in terms of healthy boundaries, which then has me wonder with the sun there and Mercury there, does it but give us an opportunity to look to see how, you know, our communication, right, we can bolster it and better it so that we can feel that we're more um, girded by boundaries that are empathetic and compassionate first to ourselves so that they can be for others. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing up that compassion part. I think compassionate boundaries is what you're talking about. And boundaries is, is such a Piscean lesson. And it's bringing to mind the idea that once you put the structure in place and do the hard work of Saturn, then you get to play. Then you get to be creative. And so maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the perfect combination of that. Yeah. And I think, too, just because we like, um, even though we, we talk about it a lot when there's a Kazemi, like what is a Kazemi? <laughs> but we love that word so much just to remind everyone, which also feels very Mercury Saturn. Let's mm-hmm. just remind what the definition is. You know, a Kazemi is like an exact conjunction of the sun with another planet. And it. it's thought that when that planet is in what's called the heart of the sun, Kazemi, mm. it sort of burns away some of its like more quote, impure, right, or lesser quality so that it actually allows for the shining and the amplification of sort of more of that, the purity. So it's very strong. Yes. Really, really strong. So like, you know, Mercury sun, like heightened communication, but of a Piscean flair. You know, Saturn Kazemi, like really taking ownership, you know, knowing your bounds, you know, uh, you know, knowing the power of time and, and hard work, right? Saturn is so strong. So, you know, just to note that and, you know, the other thing with Saturn is, you know, Saturn is, you know, Saturn doesn't like to go fast. Saturn right, likes to right. go slow. You know, time yeah. is in, Saturn reminds us that time is an ingredient in every recipe. So, Yes. There's that. Well said. No, I love that. I love that. It almost feels like an afterthought to mention the Virgo full moon. We've had such a strong Aquarius Pisces discussion. Well, of course, you know, when we're in Pisces season, the full moon's in the opposite sign of Virgo. You were talking about some purging and closet cleaning and fasting or something like that, which is all very Virgo as well. Virgo loves order and getting things into order. So it's a wonderful time to really utilize that energy to take care of business. Yeah, yeah. So February 25th is the illumination, is the Virgo full moon. Um, It's interesting. I didn't think about this before, but now that I'm looking at the dates, that February 28th is like almost in that disseminating phase Mm. of the lunar cycle, which is about sharing what you know so that sort of even undergirds even more that that like sun mercury saturn triple conjunction about you know communication and dissemination you know of knowledge of and insights and coming together Mm. with others to communicate and share yeah virgo is very knowledgeable virgo enjoys sharing their knowledge with others So should we now do the tarot card for the month? I've got them here, Stephanie. And as usual, I'm shuffling the the cards of my Couture Tarot, uh, which is a really fun deck. And I'm shuffling. And then Stephanie's going to say when it's time to stop shuffling. And we'll see what the card for February is. How about now? 
Well, we have, because it's always like a little bit of a pause of like, what's going to come up? Well, the card that's coming up is actually the Eight of Cups, which is ruled by the sign of Pisces, which is interesting. Oh, and so, yes, yeah, so in the trope, cups are water, feelings, emotions, those soul energies. And the Eight of Cups is where it's a time to step back from everything, the busyness of life, and really go into and feel the feels, really feel your feelings and your emotions. It's a time to really process them because a lot of times with the Eight of Cups, there's a tendency to get stuck in those deeper emotions or even to get stuck in the past. Sometimes Pisces, you know, is in the past or the future, but not in the present moment. And so this is here we are talking about clearing and purging. This is a wonderful energy for the way I would describe it is purging any stuck emotions. Is there anything you need to let go of? Is there anybody you need to forgive and forget? Is there any place emotionally, and here's this feels very Pluto, that you need to go deeper into to bring more light into it so it's not a stuck energy or something that's holding you back? What this card also indicates is if we stay too long in those stuck energies, Without moving them through, sometimes it can lead to a feeling of depression or even powerlessness. So with this card, it's like work those emotions, go into them, release them, purge them. So that actually is perfect for February, don't you think? That is perfect. Wow, how helpful. That's a really beautiful (laughs) way of orienting. (laughs) Big purge energies this month, don't you think? We love the tarot. So tell us what's new. Anything you want to share about what's, you, you know, your offerings or what's coming up for you? Yes. For, I, for, for us through you, I should say. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to think. I don't have any big classes planned, but I'm putting together something for the spring, especially around the tarot. I haven't taught the tarot in a while, and I'm really ready to get back into it and, you know, all those tarot lovers out there. And I'm doing my sessions and would love to see you dig in a little bit, talk about what's going on with you. You know, we're still in the beginning of the year energies. Such a powerful time to look at what are the trends for you, what's ahead for you, and how to make the best use of that energy. What about you, Stephanie? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, one is now I am doing uh, Family Constellations astrology work, so that's really thrilling and exciting. So they have that as an offering. And also I'll be doing a bunch of traveling this year, and my first travels start in April. And so March, I'm going to have a lighter client schedule. And so if you want to have a session with me, definitely look on my calendar and book for like February or the first like week or two of March, because then for a few weeks, I probably won't be seeing any clients. So those are my big news. But I will be in other places in the country and the world here and there as well as in Seattle. So hopefully I'll be doing some events and I'll let everybody know about that. I'm so jealous, Stephanie. All this travel sounds so exciting. It's and we very, always it's so divine. It's so divine. Yes, yes. And you know, we always love hearing from you. Please visit uh, us at our website, so divine.us. Email us. You can visit Stephanie at stephaniegaling.com, me at meganskinner.com, or the couture Yes, and big thank you for everyone always again. 
for listening and being in communication and community with us. And a big thank you, as always, to our producers, Nick Petrie and Sebastiano Tecchio. I could not do this without you. And of course, big thank you to you, Megan. A big thank you to you as well, <laughs> Stephanie. Happy February. Happy February.